It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. You know, every now and then in the news, you'll hear people talking about uh, what truth is, and they'll say, well, you have your truth and I have my truth as if to imply that ultimate truth doesn't really exist. But 800 years ago, there was a Christian thinker named Thomas Aquinas. He made a very astute observation. He said, if anything is true, then truth exists. And that's true. There are some things that are absolute reality. Truth exists, and we can know truth. And our guidebook for truth is the Bible, the Word of God. This is Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Jim Stanley. And you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're so grateful that you are. And this is the day of the week, Jim. Bert and I love Fireway Friday because we open up the phones. It's all questions for all of the hour. And you know what? Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that heaven and earth would pass away, but not one bit of God's Word would ever fail. And so I am so glad truth exists, and the merciful Savior has revealed it to us. Amen. Well, good afternoon. It's good to be with you as well. Brother Bert's out today. And Alex, as as we get ready to go in, by the way, folks, the phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840 is the number to call this afternoon. And we will be taking your questions live this afternoon. So we invite you to call and join us. But Alex, uh, yesterday, one of the questions, and, and it's a question that we get often and as we're getting the phone calls ready to go, I wanted to touch base with you on that. Yesterday when you were t- we were talking about baptism, I, I want to make sure that folks understand we weren't saying that it's not important. But you talked about there, there being two types of baptism mentioned in the New Testament. Share those with us again. Well, thank you, Jim. Thank you. You know, in Galatians 3, 26 and 27, it says we are children of God through faith. That's wonderful. We put our faith in Jesus and we're saved. And then it goes on, that's Galatians 3, 26. We're children of God through faith. And then it says by faith we're baptized into Christ. Now, the New Testament uses the word baptism, Greek word baptizo, uh, in two senses. One, to be in Christ, the fellowship of the believers. We, we put our trust in Jesus, and we're saved, and we are baptized into Christ, immersed. Uh, you know, we're put into the body of believers. So if you're a, a Christian of any strata, you, you've trusted Jesus, you have been, quote, baptized into Christ. But then there is the sense that probably most of us think of it, Jim, which is water baptism. Uh, and Jim, I, I, I accepted Christ when I was 21 and went through New Believers class, and some months later I was baptized in a Sunday morning service. Um, that wasn't what saved me. What saved me was back the moment I repented and believed in Jesus and I was born again. So baptism in the sense like Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus told his disciples, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Water baptism is 
uh, an outward testimony that you are a believer in Jesus, not only Christ, but the church. And so there is the sense of, of baptism, like we think of it, uh, in water. That is not what saves you. What saves you is putting your trust in Jesus. Baptism is an identification with Christ and the church. And you know, Jim, let me just say this, throughout history, and in many cultures even today, to to you know be baptized um, is a very courageous step. I mean, there, there are parts of the world where if you are baptized and you come out of the closet as a follower of Jesus, it could actually be a death sentence. You, you know, you, you become a marked man in some parts of the world. But those two senses, water baptism, which is a public identification with the church, but then baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, which is a reality the moment you believe in Jesus. Amen. That's good stuff. Appreciate you sharing that with us. And one more thing before we go to the phones this afternoon. Uh, most of the country has been watching and waiting for the outcome of the Rittenhouse trial there in uh, Wisconsin. And so, mm-hmm. Alex, as, as we get started, we're not looking at the political implications. We're not, we're not taking one side or the other of how that should have gone. What we want to do is pray for peace in that community and then across mm-hmm. the country because we know that if uh, riots start in one city, they have a tendency to spill over. So let's intercede for our country this afternoon and just take a moment and be in prayer about that. Um, and and pray for that community. Would you lead us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we begin another hour of exploring the Word, we pray for the spirit of peace to descend over our country. And Lord, um, Kyle um, Rittenhouse and the the trial there, um, we, Lord, we, we pray that justice has truly been done but we we don't know um, because we human beings um, we make mistakes but Lord I pray Father God that you would prevent people from acting out and uh, breaking the law vandalizing causing damage and further further vandalism and and killings Father God please give peace to our nation Lord, in recent uh, years and decades, we've seen so many riots and just chaos in the streets, and we don't want that again. Lord, uh, we do pray that the Prince of Peace, Jesus, would bring stability and morality. Lord, we need ethical, moral truth again in our nation. And so please, uh, Lord, intervene in any unrest and any uprisings and just rioting and such, let it not happen, please, God. And, Lord, let this be an opportunity that our nation would turn to you. We so desperately need a revival, and, Lord, we pray for it, we ask for it, and we thank you that in a very unstable world, as Malachi 3 said yesterday, that we serve the God who does not change. Lord, you are the rock, our foundation, our source, our all. And we begin this program looking to you, Gratefully, Jesus, we call on your name, and we thank you for the fact that you are Lord of all, and we praise your name. In Jesus' name, we we ask these things, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go to the phones, and uh, we're going to, speaking of Alex, we're going to start with Alex, and he's calling from (laughs) Iowa. Alex, welcome to Exploring the Word. 
Hi, Alex. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Hi, Alex. So, <laughs> hi. So my, my question is, in, in 2 Timothy, we're charged by Paul to preach the gospel. And my uh, question is, what is the scope of that? Is it limited uh, to uh, a certain degree of teaching? Is it limited to being done? Obviously, it needs to be orderly, and it needs to be, uh, it needs to be the truth. It needs to be spoken correctly, but does it need to be done in a certain way? Uh, you know, are there places to avoid doing it? Um, you know, uh, can any believer just pick up a megaphone if they know what if they know the truth, they know the gospel? Can they go and preach it? Is this uh, something that we mm. should take uh, take seriously? Alex, those are great questions, mm. and since yeah. we have a renowned evangelist on the program this afternoon, I'm going to let him take first shot at that. Well, well, first of all, I want to commend you on such a well-thought-out question. Um, just very, very well stated, my friend. And uh, Jim, the, you know, 2 Timothy 4.2, you know, uh, it, Jim, I'm sure you've probably participated in ordination services, and, um, you know, Paul says to Timothy, before God and Jesus Christ, the judge of the living and the dead, I charge you with these things. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season to proclaim the good news. Okay, the two key words here are preach, which is a verb, and word, which is a, a noun. And we often say preach the gospel. Uh, literally, it says preach the word. Okay, the word is the Greek word logos, which is, you know, obviously the, the truth of God, the scripture, and yes, the gospel, the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Interesting, the word preach there. Um, really means herald, you know, not uh, H-A-R-O-L-D, like a man's name, but H-E-R-A-L-D, herald. We are heralds and proclaimers and ambassadors of the gospel. Now, I want to be very clear, uh, as the word Caruso, and Jim, there's been Christian companies and ministries, Caruso, uh, because Caruso, Caruso means to proclaim. There was a, an opera singer nearly a century ago, Enrico Caruso, and, and really, I don't know if he knew it, but his last name meant proclaim the gospel, Caruso. I think, Jim, every believer is called to be an emissary of the Word of God. Now, some people are in full-time ministry, and that's Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. But everybody is to minister and uh, reach every person by every means— might be in a pulpit, might be sharing a gospel booklet, or might be at a radio microphone, or might be inviting your next-door neighbor in for coffee to show the love of Jesus. But um, we've got one message, but 10,000 ways to share it, don't we, Jim? Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned that, inviting a friend in or taking the gospel to someone. A lot of times, people aren't going to want to hear what they say until they see that you care. So Amen. that that would be a, an encouragement for you there as well, is that, and I, I remember that adage, you know, and Alex, I'm sure you do as well, that most people would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Well, if, if, if we aren't serving people and we're not meeting those needs, then uh, sometimes they're not going to hear the rest of that. And so that's uh, what, you know, a lot of you know my background with the Salvation Army. That's one of the things we did, you know, once we had supper, then we could share the word because most folks were hearing more of the rumblings from their belly than they were, you know, hmm. being ready to sit down and, and listen. So 
that's just another way to do it. And Alex, you're absolutely right. There, There's many, many ways that we can spread the gospel. But the most important thing is that we do it just like Christ told us uh, through Matthew, you know, the Great Commission that we're going to go out and make disciples. Well, one of the ways we do that is to take the word to them. And so uh, thanks for that call again. Alex, we are well represented by Texas this afternoon. They evidently have us on speed dial. We're going to well, talk. We love to, Texas. That's Let right. Me tell you, Stacy from Texas. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I've been wanting to ask this question personally for a, a number of years, and just haven't been able to get through. Uh, but in light of today's uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, I think it's really critical to ask this. I'm curious what your take is biblically on the use of self-defense, and particularly, um, you know, God forbid, the use of deadly force in self-defense on a personal level. Um, you know, I think there's examples biblically of where, for example, in the, in the Old Testament, when they're instructed to basically protect themselves as, as they were rebuilding the wall, but yet Jesus is very clear as well about the use of force. So I just really want to get your perspective on that as a, as a believer and as a self-defender, you know, where, where should I be standing on that? I think it's a critical question for all of us. Stacy, that's a great question. And Alex, we've had this before, and uh, it, it's one of those things that for us, uh, you know, we do have to know what we can and can't do and understand that laws are different all over the country. So the first thing would be to make sure you understand what your state would permit you to do as far as self-defense. And uh, I'm not saying that because you need to get a lawyer. And Alex, when we come back, I want you to speak to this from the biblical side, um, and then we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more. This is Exploring the Word, Fire Away Friday, here on American Family Radio. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Rohit Chopra, director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. His agency is responsible for consumer protection in the financial sector, overseeing banks, credit unions, payday lenders, and debt collectors. Romans 15.1 reminds us of the importance of protecting others. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Rohit Chopra as he works to protect the American consumer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. In the world, your ID confirms who you are. But Dr. Tony Evans says that your spiritual ID confirms whose you are. He'll explain the difference today as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you go to the bank to withdraw some money, I guarantee you, they're going to say, show me your ID. When you go to get your ticket from the airport and they go to print the ticket, they would say, may I see your ID? They're not going to take your word for it because they want to make sure that you're not a fraud. They want to make sure that you are who you declare yourself to be and that you have the right and privilege to get what is being offered. Just like when it comes time to go to heaven and if uh, Peter would say, on what ground should I let you into glory? I hope you don't say my good works. I hope you don't say I'm a nice person because that'll get you booted out of heaven. 
there's only one thing that's going to get you in the glory, and that is I have somebody who died on the cross for my sins, who was my personal substitute. That's your ID for glory. But while you're on your way there, and you go to God for answered prayer, and the Father says, what's your ID? All you got to do is tell him, I come in the name of the Lord Jesus, who I've submitted my life to, who rules over my life, who controls my life, who I'm not ashamed to be identified with. Anybody want some power? Anybody want some victory? Well, then give God the glory by giving Jesus the honor. If you'd like to be 100% sure that you have a life-saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ, visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find complete information and free resources to help you. Then join us again next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to Exploring the Word on AFR. Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And right now we're talking to Stacy calling from Texas. And he had a question about the biblical use, uh, biblical permissions, if you will, on use of force and self-protection. And Alex, this is like I had mentioned just before the break. This is something we've talked about before. But I think it's, you know, from time to time, this is not necessarily a political issue as much as it is a moral issue and an imperative for families to know. Now, I did mention that you want to know what your state permits because some mm-hmm. uh, some states have what they call the castle doctrine that yeah, talks exactly. about what you can do in your home or car. But from a biblical perspective, what, what do we need to look for there? Well, thank you, Jim, and, and sir, thank you for calling. Very important uh, biblical ethics question. Because it, it really gets down to, I'm going to throw two words out here. One is pacifism, uh, and, and the other is is really <laughs> proactivism, if you want to say, uh, self-defense and national defense. But pacifism kind of uh, became very popular in the 60s, and it sounds um, like scriptural, you know, turn the other cheek. Uh, to be a pacifist, and I know there were a lot of people that wouldn't serve in the military, and they were they were conscientious objectors, things like that. Okay, Exodus 20, verse 13 says, Thou shalt not commit murder. Now, we often, people will say, Thou shalt not kill, but really the wording there in Exodus 20, 13 is, You shall not commit murder. Like, murder is uh, malicious in a fit of rage or emotion, or, you know, plotting someone's demise. Um, it do, And I want to say this, Jim, and I want to be very careful how I say this. Um, not all killing is murder. Now, death is wrong, but a policeman uh, upholding the peace, a homeowner acting in self-defense, a soldier uh, going to defend the country— Killing is is sad, it's unfortunate in a fallen world, but listen, all murder is killing, but not all killing is murder. Now, the, the Bible makes an injunction to preserve life. Um, Psalm 82 verse 4, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them out of the hand of the wicked, okay? Uh, Proverbs 24 11, 
deliver those or literally rescue those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Now, I want to say this, Jim, about, and this was, the question was about self-defense. The Bible makes it clear that we are to do what we can do to help preserve human life, and that includes the preservation of our own life. Now, um, I'll tell you, I'm a preacher, but I, I own a gun, and my wife has a concealed carry permit. I don't, but Angie does. And, uh, you know, she's a nurse. She's given her adult life to the saving of other lives. But um, in the nightstand beside the bed, uh, she's got a pistol, and so do I. Uh, because the biblical injunction to preserve life includes preserving our own life, Jim. Uh, I'm, I'm being very frank with you, but the, the Bible gives to nations and individuals the right to self-defense. Well, I, I, I think it should be one of those things that's an absolute last resort. Now, Alex, you and I have sure. been shooting together, and, and you understand my take on that. Um, folks, if you are going to look at self-defense and you're, look, you're thinking about perhaps uh, getting a, a firearm, please get training to go along with it. Uh, yes. don't, don't take it for granted that all you have to do is point and shoot because that's not the case. Be sure that, that you get the training with it, just like you would for driving a car. You know, if you've never driven a car before, it would be very impractical just to jump behind the wheel. And right. so, um, you know, uh, we've traveled a good bit, and I have left a firearm with my mother-in-law. And my instructions to her were to go in the bathroom, put her feet against the door, her back against the bathtub. And if it came to an absolute time when somebody was trying to bust that door down, then to shoot through the door because you've already warned them, you've called the police, you've already told them you have a firearm. And so uh, I've even encouraged her and instructed her, you know, on, on how to take care of herself. Now, my wife is a veteran. She understands what she needs mm. to do. So <laughs> I say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we do. Same want, here. So what we want to make sure is we, we get across is that we're not talking about to do this and to do that. You will be the one that has to be able to articulate to the law officers, uh, officers of the law, if something like that should take place. Just like you would have to be the one to take and, and think about the fact that you've took, taken someone else's brother, sister, mother, uh, father from another family, if that should ever come. So that's why I say it's got to be the absolute last resource, but you do need to know what, what you can and can't do. And we're not a legal show, so we're not telling you that. That's why we're encouraging you to study the Scripture, see what it says, and then you know what you need to do in your community as well. Talking to Ch Jesse now from Texas. It, you know, isn't it interesting, though, that that question on self-defense came from Texas? Mm -hmm. The the independent yeah. state of Texas? No. Jesse, good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon, Jim. Alex, thank you for taking my call. Well, uh, my, my older sisters and I were molested as young children by an uncle. And uh, when I became a Christian, I forgave him because the Lord told me that I needed to. But now when my sisters became a Christian... They never forgave him, and they died bitter about that in their heart. And what I want to know is, how is that going to affect their eternal walk with Jesus? Mm. Uh, man, Jesse, that's a tough question. Alex, uh, you know, we're, we're taught that we need to forgive, but sometimes some forgiveness is harder than others. Um, and so how would that impact us for eternity? 
Wow. Well, first of all, um, I'm so sorry for what you went through and, and your sister, and that's just very, very tragic, most unfortunate. And um, I'm glad that you found healing and peace through Jesus, and He can do that. And let, let me just say this, folks. Um, when we talk about redemption, uh, praise God. He not only forgives our sins and saves our soul, he, he really does redeem our life. He restores us, uh, and we renew our mind through Scripture. And Jim, in, in every way, God really does make us new. He makes all things new. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 4, speaks of the day that he will wipe away every tear from, the, from our eyes. Now, um, a person who has unforgiveness and some deep wounds, listen, if they're saved, they're saved. Uh, because here, here's the thing, we often talk about this. When you put your faith in the Lord, you say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me, save me. Positionally, you're in Christ. Imagine, let me just say that, let's say there's a plate on the table and scattered all around the table are jelly beans. And you pick up a jelly bean and you put it on that plate. Positionally, now that jelly bean is on the plate. Let's say that the very center of that plate is, you know, Christ-likeness. And, and some jelly beans are right near the center and some are out on the periphery, but they're still positionally in that plate. Um, well, when you trust Jesus, positionally, you are in Christ. Now, there might be some things in your life that God wants to work on to bring you closer to that perfect place of, of being conformed to the image of Jesus. Maybe God has to clean up your vocabulary, or maybe God has to deal with your emotions or some of your behavioral habits or such. My point is this. If she was saved, she's saved. Mm -hmm. How will it impact her walk with Christ throughout eternity? Jim, I honestly believe that uh, Revelation 21, verse 4, speaking, you know, in heaven, and yet there's a moment when Christ wipes away every tear, and it says there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for all the former things are passed away. Um, Maybe the amount of glorification and purging that every Christian needs is different. May, we're all saved. If you're a believer, you're in heaven, right? You've trusted Jesus. But before eternity proper gets ushered in, uh, maybe the amount of every tear and all the old things wiped away, maybe I need X to the 20th power. Mm. Jim Stanley needed maybe X to the second power. Or, you know, Billy Graham, he was very Christ-like. But she is saved. She's with Jesus but I will say this, and I'll close. Healing in this life is possible, honestly. Yeah. Um, renewal in this life is possible. And I know some things are very hard to, to lay at the cross and let go of. But, Jim, when somebody is able to take the past and lay it at Calvary, isn't that a beautiful thing? That it- it is, and, and Jesse, again, thank you for that call this afternoon because I know that's a, a very tough topic. Uh, but, Alex, you, as you were going through that and some of the things, uh, one of the things we talked about was even just the other day, the, some things being burned away through the purification fire, you know, mm-hmm. where, where the wood, hay, and stubble is burned off, and all that's left is the silver and gold. And yeah. so uh, I, I, would, I would not disagree with you at all 
in that and how you presented that because I think it's one of those things that we are saved. And we do know that, as you mentioned, because that's one of my favorite parts there in Revelation. Folks say there won't be any tears in heaven. That's not true because there will be some. And I think part of that's going to be of of how we've answered Christ and how we've answered, you know, what did we do with Jesus? And did we do the discipling that we needed to do? Did we preach the gospel? Did we live the gospel? All of those things. And so I think that's that's very important. Jesse, uh, thank you again for your call, and, and God richly bless you. I'm going to talk to Patrick calling from Texas. Patrick, welcome to Exploring the Word. Oh, thank you so much. And everybody, I just want to admonish you all to pray for that judge, for Kyle, his family, for the man mm-hmm. who videoed the evidence that, that freed Kyle, and pray for the jurors for their protection, because you've got a mob that would probably like to kill all, the, all of them. So mm. my question today is, uh, I've always wondered how in God's Word uh, Paul will talk about the uh, body of Christ and how uh, each believer is a part, like some are a hand and some of the are the feet, some of the are the eyes, you know, and we're part of the body of Christ. How can we be the part of the, how can we be the body of Christ and also be the bride of Christ? That's, mm. okay, so I have an answer for that, but I don't think it's going to be, here's the thing. When I married my wife, I married her in her entirety. Does that make sense, Alex? You know, my wife had a head, she had hands, and she had feet. Well, we are called to be the body of Christ so that we can be the bride of Christ. And all of that comes uh, later, uh, quote-unquote, later down the road, if you will. But it's after after we've been given a new body, isn't it? Well, it is, and you know this is a great question. And to my knowledge, I don't, I don't think we've ever had this question before. I can't recall ever having had this question. Beautiful. I'm, I'm going to tell you how. And in a way, folks, this relates to why marriage and family has been so under attack in recent years because marriage and family is a picture of Christ in the church. Now, Ephesians 5, 31 and following says that the husband and wife become one. Ephesians 5, 31, the husband and the wife, now married and united spiritually, physically, marriage, are one body. Isn't that something? Now, Paul goes on and he says, I show you a picture of Christ and the church. Now, We are the bride of Christ. Christ is the bridegroom. That goes back to the pictures in the Old Testament of like the kinsman redeemer and the bridegroom, how, you know, Boaz married Ruth. And then it goes on, and we are his hands and feet. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, in the sense of serving. You know, um, uh, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of the 19th century, just a hero of mine, he said, you know, we might be all the Jesus that some people ever see. So we are the hands and the feet, sometimes the mouthpiece of Jesus. But I would say we are the bride of Christ and we are the body of Christ because marriage is a gospel tract. I mean, really. Uh, just as Psalm 19 says, the heavens and the earth bear witness to the glory of God. And Jim, this is why the devil has so vehemently attacked morals, marriage, sexuality, gender, 
child rearing, the rights of parents. Because, look, husband and wife and God, that's a trinity. Mom, dad, children, that's a trinity. The family, the spouses, the children, the Lord, that's a trinity. The family is a picture of the gospel. And Ephesians 5.31, the husband and wife become one body. That's why, let me just say this, and I'll throw it back to Jim. That's why sexual sin is really dark. Now, God forgives. Listen, if you are feeling conviction, you, you ask Jesus, he'll forgive you. But you, you have to understand that um, sexual sin is a union that really is only appropriate within the, the context of marriage, because marriage is not just some social accident. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Does, Jim, does it, am I saying this correctly? Does it make sense? Yes, sir. Folks, this is uh, Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And I would remind you that Alex has some great resources available for you at alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com, where you can also uh, check out his schedule as to where he's going to be and find information on how you can bring him to your community. Let's talk to another, oh, hold on. I'm hey, sorry. and I got to say this: this okay. weekend I'll be in Michigan, Banner Church, B-A-N-N-E-R, Banner Church in Byron Center, Michigan. This is ten minutes from Grand Rapids. If you're up in Michigan, I'll be Saturday night and all day Sunday at Banner Church in Michigan. There you go. Uh, we'll take the next phone call straight ahead, and Dorothy, that will be you. So hang around. Uh, we're coming back with more of your phone calls here on AFR. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Today, some professing Christians assert that critical theory, critical race theory, and intersectionality are helpful tools for the church. These people have an appearance of godliness, but their assertions deny the sufficiency of God's word to guide the church in living out the reconciliation Jesus secured for us on the cross. Make no mistake, as Paul told Timothy, the God-breathed scripture is sufficient for teaching, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Those who have an appearance of godliness but deny the power of God's word for doctrine and practice must be identified and avoided. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18, we read this. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression? In 1830, a man named George Wilson was convicted of robbing the U.S. mail, which carried the death penalty. President Andrew Jackson graciously offered to pardon Mr. Wilson for his crime. But amazingly, Mr. Wilson refused to accept his pardon and was hanged. A pardon refused is no pardon at all. We have all broken God's law, but God loves you and offers you pardon for your sin through His Son, Jesus Christ. Don't reject God's offer to pardon your sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only pardon available. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. Kind of been the theme of the show today, talking about preachers and disciples and uh, how we do and what we do and how we do that. And Dorothy calling from Texas this afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Can You're you welcome. Me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, on all the various shows on this program, people talk about evangelicals. I'm, I'm wondering, what is the difference in an evangelical and a Christian? Dorothy, that's a great question. And, and I say that it really is because, you know, we as Christians a lot of times, and Alex, I think you would agree with this as well, Sometimes we, it's like we have our own language. We speak a lot of Christianese, and we don't do that to confuse anyone. But sometimes we get so used to talking to each other, we forget that sometimes we're, we're talking to folks that uh, don't think in that way. And so if you were going to break that down, what would be your definition between evangelical and, quote-unquote, a plain Christian, as Dorothy was saying? Well, God bless you. Thanks for that Thanks for that great question. You know, evangelical um, in the last, I'm going to say really about 40 years, has been kind of a term used in the media to denote not only a professed Christian, but somebody who is politically conservative. Um, Now, any born-again believer is a Christian. You know, the book of Acts says that the believers were called Christians in Antioch. And now, initially, Christian was not exactly a compliment, because it meant little Christ. And the the Jews and Romans used it almost as a sarcastic term, but of course for 2,000 years we've proudly named the name Christian. But but here's the thing, and I'm going to show my age here, Jim. Uh, In 1976, Jimmy Carter and Gerald Ford were, you know, know, competing for the presidency. Jimmy Carter was interviewed, and he— identified as a born-again Christian, and not and a, a Christian that is committed to Jesus and the Great Commission, sharing the euangelizo, the gospel, the, the evangel, they, be, they became known as evangelicals. Now, along comes Reagan in 1980, 
and the Christians hugely supported Reagan because Reagan was pro-life, pro-constitutional. In other words, the Christian conservatives began to really stand for and personify the things that once upon a time all patriotic Americans stood for. So evangelical, in the biblical sense, we are committed to Christ and his word and winning the world to salvation. But in the media, cultural, political sense, it's come to mean conservative voters. Now, what's odd is, and Jim, I was on a an interview with um, Steve Jordahl of One News Now about a month ago. There are non-believers, even like conservative Muslims and others that call themselves evangelicals because a lot of unsaved people only knew the term in the sense of being constitutional, conservative, politically, um, you know, pro-America. So I realize there's a little muddying of the water, but evangelical in the purest, most original sense means a follower of Jesus who believes the Bible and is committed to the fulfillment of Christ's great commission. Amen. Miss Dorothy, I, I, and, I'm, and I know Alex would agree with this too, I'd just as soon be a plain Christ follower as I had be known yeah. as one of the leading evangelicals. So uh, I think that that's important for us that we do know who we, who we believe and that we are ready to give an answer for him. So, Dorothy, thanks again. Have a great weekend. We're going to talk to Tim from Ohio. Tim, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi there, Alex and Jim. Thank you so much for your show and Bert. I have a question. I've been a Christian for years. I have a question concerning prophecy, and it's in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and it basically talking about the coming of Lord Jesus. And you know, we hear a lot of times in prophecy now. Next thing on the calendar could be Christ coming, and that. And, and my question is, verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. That day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. And I, my question on that is, so could we be raptured tonight, or does the man of the, the Antichrist have to be revealed first? That's always confused me a little. Well, that's a great question, and I know that um, we have that question from time to time as well. But, Tim, you know, Alex, I'm going to let you handle this one because you and Bert have done some really good studies on the end times, and I think this is one of those questions that probably would be alluded to in your Revelation series that you guys have done mm-hmm. and other yeah, prophetics. Uh, by the way, on AFA Store, afastore.net, as in American Family Association, Bert and I did a study of Daniel and Revelation and. You know, if you just put our names in on the search bar, you'll you'll find that. Also, in our book, um, forgive me for shamelessly plugging our book, but Bert and I did a book that came out October 12th called 100 Bible Questions and Answers, published by Broad Street Publishing, and it's 220 pages of questions just like this one, and um, I think you can probably find it at the AFA store as well. But uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3 um, let, let me just say some of the things that the Bible talks about uh, that are part and parcel of the, the last times. Okay, There's going to be a, a, an apostasy, and uh, that means uh, turning away from truth, 
a turning away from sound doctrine. And it goes on, it says, let no one deceive you in any way, because um, the end will not come until first the apostasy, and it's interesting how the Greek reads, shall have been revealed the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction. My point being this, it seems to be that there is a break between the apostasy and the revealing of the man of sin. Now, now what am I saying here? Um, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, is going to be the Antichrist, right? Now, uh, I think, Jim, we are in a time of apostasy. Now, apostasy means a falling away from truth. Professed Christians that reject the authority of Scripture, that reject the deity, that means the Godhood of Jesus, the one and only salvation. Think about this. You know, we're living in a time where some churches are pro-choice. I mean, there, there are actually churches that celebrate no legal protection for the unborn, Roe versus Wade, and things like that. So we are in a time of apostasy. Now, whether this is the falling away from doctrine that will ultimately slide the church downward into full-out um, reprobation, and the Bible talks about being of a reprobate mind, not able to discern truth or error. Now, I'll say this, and I'll throw it back to Jim. The apostasy and then the revealing of the man of sin, even though it all comes about in 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, um, it, it could be that um, there's a, a break in the language between those things. In other words, the rapture, then the revealing of the man of sin, even though it's all kind of in one verse. Um, Jim, I don't think necessarily this precludes the fact that there there could be the catching away of the bride. There's chaos on earth, you know. Uh, two billion humans are missing, you know. Uh, well, there'll be a man that brings the, the chaos to order, and then he'll say, not only am I a great political leader, I'm God, you must worship me as such, or you'll be executed. And he'll reveal himself to be the murderous antichrist that that the Bible says he'll be. So, um, I, I on, and look, the point of orthodoxy on which we all agree is Christ is coming back. But Jim, as I understand prophecy, I think there'll be continued darkness falling away. There'll be the catching away, the rapture, after which will be seven years of tribulation, and at the end of that, Armageddon. So, uh, for, for a little more in-depth, check out our audio series at the AFA store. All right, Tim, thank you for your question this afternoon. I hope that helped. Dan calling from Texas. Good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you. And Alex, buddy, I've been listening to you for a long time, and uh, you're just one of my favorite people on the planet. Well, and, to uh, God be the glory. Thank you, friend. <laughs> well, I was listening to the Trivia Friday here, uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, this isn't my question, but I did not know. Uh, Tim had a question though. What is Alex? What did Alex name his dog? And I was just overjoyed because 
I don't. Uh, have you ever heard of a book called A Voice in the Wind by uh, Francine Rivers? I don't think so. I have. How about you, Jim? Yes, sir. Well, this isn't my question, but do you know what Esther's other name is? Uh, uh, I can't e- remember. Esther in the Bible or, or Esther my dog? <laughs> Esther in the Bible. Um, had- yes. Um, oh, goodness. Help me out, Jim. Uh, under King Ahasuerus, Vashti. Vashti, no, no, Vashti oh, didn't obey Ahasuerus. What's what's Esther in the Bible's other's name? Other name? Dan, go Are ahead. You asking me here? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, Hadassah. That's right. That's right. You're, I, you're right. Well, it's funny that I was overjoyed because I named my dog Hadassah, and I got that out of that book, uh, Voice in the Wind, and learned that she had. Got got that name out of the book of Esther. So I was just I was just overjoyed. All right. Well, and thank you for referencing my precious little dog Angie got from the dog pound named Esther, who about twenty percent of the time will chime in and bark and amen me. Well, it, Dan, what's your question for us this afternoon? My question is. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, the last two verses, 41 and 42, I ran across them again, and I've always had trouble understanding uh, what Jesus meant by those two verses. So I was just wondering if you could uh, uh, enlighten me on those two verses there. Well, the Scripture says uh, there in Matthew 10, 40 and 40, starting at verse 40, rather, says, he who receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And then where you get to it there, I wanted to go ahead and back up just a little for you, uh, Dan, because I wanted to be sure that folks understood that it was folks that were coming in the name of the Lord and that the Lord's telling us that if we receive him, then we resent. We also talk about receiving the Father. And then in verse 41, it goes on to say, he who receives a prophet and the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And then 40, uh, 42, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water and the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Alex, it's like there's a ranking of rewards there. Break that down for us. Well, well, God bless you. You know, it's interesting. The word there, reward, means uh, recompense or wages. You know, you work a, a job, and at the end of a 40-hour week, you get a certain wage. Um, and God is a righteous judge, and God is, is altogether just. So if you receive a prophet, uh, you receive a prophet's reward. Well, a faithful proclaimer of the Word of God, what kind of reward is he going to get? A good reward. So here's what it's saying. You might not have been the one who did the preaching, but if you receive, and Jim, I think we could unpack what receiving means, it, to follow or support or whatever. Um, we often say this, and this comes right out of Matthew 10, 41 and 42. Um, some of us go and others help send, but you share in the rewards when you know, we had Truth for a New Generation a month ago, and on the first day, something like 20 
young people prayed to accept Christ. Well, everybody who helped us get to that altar call shares in those rewards. Mm. The one who receives a righteous man receives the reward of a righteous man. What kind of reward does a righteous man get? A good reward? Those who help that righteous man do what God called him to do, they share in those rewards. Um, I, I think that's the about as much as we can glean out of that. Whether you're the sender or whether you're the goer, you share in the fruit and the Amen. rewards. All right. Thanks, Dan. Um, folks, I don't think we're going to have time for another question this afternoon. Uh, I wish we did uh, because uh, we just enjoy your questions. However, I, I ha- I'm afraid that if I go to take one, my producer's going to wave me off again, and he keeps me on a tight clock, and I'm grateful for that. But, Alex, uh, you mentioned that you're going to be where this weekend? Oh, thanks. Banner Church, Banner Church in um, Byron City, Michigan. Their website is bannerchurch.org, B-A-N-N-E-R, bannerchurch.org. And so I'll be there Saturday night at 6 p.m. and then in all the services on Sunday the 21st. And then, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll be at a little place you might have heard of called AFA. That's right. You'll be here in Tupelo with us in studio, and we look forward to that. Luke, do me a favor. Send your question to me to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net, as well as Jake and Michael. Uh, And, folks, if you didn't get your question this afternoon, we'll take and we'll go back and we'll try and work some of those in as well uh, because from time to time we do pre-record a program and we use your questions from email and from Facebook, you know, to do just that. I'd encourage you to be in prayer for everyone this weekend and that they'll have great meetings at their churches and be with us again here on Monday afternoon. Alex? God bless you, Jim. Thanks for being with us. Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. We ask you to Take somebody to church. Bring somebody into the sound of the gospel. Pray for peace in America. Tell someone about exploring the word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. 